Welcome to the Warrior Mama podcast, as we learn how to apply God's Word to our lives in motherhood, finding in big and small ways that the truth of the gospel applies not just to our lives as moms, but also to our children's lives, so that as we stand anchored in Him, we mother confidently with our hearts at rest. I'm so glad you're joining me today at the kitchen table. Welcome back to the second part of a two-week study that we are doing that I've called the just the great exchange, understanding what it means that Jesus, what he offers to you and to me in our who we are-ness, like not just our motherhood, yet it will pour into every corner of our motherhood when we understand the fullness of the gospel here. And so last week, if you haven't heard, I I really just want you to go back and listen, but to give you a highlight, so you think, yeah, I think I will go listen. We, we talked about the fact that we carry around all these bags is what we talked about that we carry all these burdens, burdens of what we worry about, just the common little everyday things then the bigger burdens of life and future and work and marriage and relationship. Then we carry the burdens of bags of shame and doubt places that we hear the condemnation of the enemy that says, don't let anybody know that you ever did that. Just all these burdens that we carry that Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight offers us an invitation that says, come, come you who are Weary and heavy laden, and we talked about what those two words meant, and I hope that they set you free, that you understand you are both probably, and I will give you rest. And we talked about what true rest means, what Jesus rest is all about, that it is so much better than laying on the beach and not having your child bother you. Like that's not real rest. And that Jesus offers us a rest that is soul sustaining. So then this week, we're going to take that and we're going to go deeper with it. If you did the work last week, you probably went through even the scripture where it talks about that God says to us in Psalms that he is our chosen portion in our cup, that he holds our lot. In fact, it says the lines have fallen in pleasant places and I have a beautiful inheritance. So today, what we're going to be looking at is what does that actually mean? Not just for us. So we're going to today, last week, we probably didn't talk a whole lot about motherhood. And you're like, Bethany, I really was here for the motherhood tricks and tips or whatever. But today it is. Today, I believe and I have seen this truth radically transform mother's whole visions for their motherhood with their kids. Like, because this is what God did to me. He radically changed me in my motherhood and gave me a vision for what I was about and what I was doing in the lives of my children that has never left me and has promised me. And now that I am 25 years down the line, not only God promised something that day to me, I have watched it play out and I will testify to it. 
to the truth of God in what we're going to talk about today. And it doesn't matter where you are in your motherhood journey. So this truth is going to be true for you and it will be true for your children. And I believe in knowing this truth, it will set you free in the way you react, respond, and love your children. So there won't be the bondage of performance. And I hope this turns out and I hope we do this right. And I hope this is going to all go work, you know, worthwhile in the end. No, 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 no more of that. No. So number one, I want you to hear me right now say you need to get the Warrior Mama's Prayer Journal because you need to learn how to stand on the truth that is in God's word about your child's life. You need to be praying God's word for your child every day. What the prayer journal does is it gives you a year long journey in that. And we have broken it down in four big headings and we break that further down into seven days each. So every day of the month, you visit one of those things. It should take you a good five minutes, maybe eight, if you write a lot. And I just want you to write that scripture with your child's name in it, praying that truth over the specifics of your life. And in doing that, you will be standing on God's word for your child. Then the next month you'll return and you're going to see what God does. And that will be stunning. It will, it will make you want to pray all the more when you watch God at work in your kids' lives. See, the tricky thing about it is that we are so busy in our lives that oftentimes we'll pray for something and then we kind of forget that we've prayed for it. I know I do. And I was missing, I was missing seeing what God was doing because I was, I was not seeing it. But it wasn't that he wasn't active. It was that I wasn't tuned in. That's what the prayer journal helps you do. It helps you, number one, stand on God's word and pray God's word boldly before his throne. And number two, tune into what God is doing. And we need both. So you need to get the prayer journal. But today, the second thing that you're going to need to know is I want you to know a story. And I want this to be something that maybe becomes language in your home between you and your husband, perhaps. I don't know that you would want to tell this story or to your children yet. If they're young, maybe when they're teenagers, it can be, I mean, I have, and it can be very encouraging to your children. So here's the story. Many years ago, this was now probably 14 years ago now is where God unpacked this truth for me about 15 years ago, we had moved into a new home and it was new construction and did not have any landscaping in it. And so we were, one of the things I got to do, and I thought it was a great delight was I was getting, get to work with the landscape designer and put all the landscaping in place for this piece of property. And I just worked hard and I was picking all these beautiful trees, thinking about the future of what they're going to look like and when this will bloom and that will bloom or the leaves will look like this here. And like, I just wanted it just to be this beautiful space. And we live in South Georgia. So one of the things I really wanted is I wanted an oak tree. So that was on my list of what I was purchasing. So the, the truck comes with all of my plants that I had purchased and I'm out there very officious with my list and I'm checking every, you know, Japanese cherry tree and, you know, crepe myrtles and all the the things coming off gardenias, all the things coming off that I was going to put on this piece of property. And I get to the end and there's this one thing that's come off 
and I'm looking at my sheet. I'm like, oh, I y'all did not bring my my tree. And they're like, what tree? And I said, well, I ordered an oak tree and I it hasn't come off yet. But there is this extra shrub over here, this bush. So that's I don't see that on my list. And he goes, no, that's your oak tree. And I stood there. I was like, no, that's a bush. It's like a shrub. And so I remember arguing with the man and kind of being like, no, 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 this is not an oak tree. And he's like, yes, it is. I'm like, no, but I spent so much money on this oak tree, so much money. And he's like, well, that's what you got. And I remember being so offended that I went against my landscape design plan and banished my oak shrub to the backyard to a corner of the yard that nobody could see, even from the back porch. I just didn't want to be reminded of what that was. It was of no value to me. And then for the next couple of years, I would step outside and my across the street neighbors have been planning their landscaping at the same time we had. And they had made the decision along their driveway where I had wanted to place this gorgeous oak tree I had envisioned. They had made the decision to plant Bradford pears. And so I would go out in the yard over those years and watch their Bradford pears growing and really be aggravated by my choices in life until I went out one day and I used, I used the going outside to weed or to tend to flowers or my yard as a way of escape. Honestly, when I was emotionally being overwhelmed in my home feeling like I was not doing well as a mom, struggling, everything was crazy, chaotic. I would just like, hey, mommy's going to go, you know, outside and weed. Y'all can play outside or you can stay inside. But like, I just, you know, it was like a checkout with me and Jesus where I could just be with him. And so I remember stepping out that one day and looking across at my neighbor's yard and these beautiful Bradford pears that I had honestly envied and wanted, probably coveted, were split in half down the middle, laying across their driveway, totally ruined. And in that moment, God said to me in this really clear way in my head, he said, I want you to understand the difference between an oak tree and a Bradford pear, because I'm in the business of oaks of righteousness. And I remember him bringing that verse to my mind. I have oaks of righteousness for my glory. And it was like, he's like, Bethany, understand the difference. So today we're going to talk about the difference because I think it's important for you and me and who we are becoming. When we have this great exchange with Jesus, where we say, yes, Lord, I'm going to give you all my bags. I'm going to give you my very life. The natural next step for us is oftentimes to say, so what do I do? And the truth of the gospel is God says, no, there is not a doing. You are a becoming. And so I want us to see this picture first, and then we're going to dive into Colossians where God lays this out for us scripturally. So what is a pear tree? Because I think we should know that first. And then what is an oak tree? So first of all, we, we need to understand that for any tree, the root system will define that tree, right? It is what gets all the nutrition to the tree. So what we see above ground is only as healthy as whatever is going on below ground. And so nutrition, water, all sustenance comes from a root system. The roots will dictate the health or the illness 
of the tree. So a pear tree is a very fast growing, it's inexpensive, and it's ornamental, meaning it's like it just gives this beautiful green. It's an early bloomer in the springtime and has great foliage. It's very noticeable when the when their pear trees are blooming, though. They kind of are a little stinky and they're blooming, but it's very noticeable, very pretty, bright, and they grow fast. Their root system, however, is interesting. Their roots are shallow. They're very high up against the surface of the ground. In fact, their roots circle around the narrow base of the trunk right there. And their roots are only, their their roots come out as individual rootlets from the base of the trunk of the tree. And these rootlets intertwine with each other, almost like a root ball, if you will. And what ultimately happens with the pear tree is that this intertwining of roots creates instability with the growth of the tree because the shallow root system can easily, with wind gusts, be knocked over. When a storm, you know, just pounds it, these trees are easily uprooted because their roots are really shallow and it's all wrapping around itself. And the way the tree grows from this root system is it's a single short trunk with lots of branches. So it gets very top heavy, very quickly. And then the kicker is that the wood that grows in this tree is weak. It's easily cracked and it easily will split in two, just like the tree I saw across the street. So that was interesting when I studied that. I was like, oh, okay, so Bradford pear might not be as great as I thought. So I was like, well, I wonder what an oak tree is like since God says in Isaiah 61, 3, he promises, he says to the, the house of Israel and to us as believers, he says this, he says, I am that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he will be glorified. And this he's talking about in the year of the Lord's favor, when God returns, he's going to grant everybody who's mourning. He's going to change everything. All the mourning is going to turn to gladness. There'll be a garment of praise. Why? This is all about when Jesus comes and that he will be making oaks of righteousness plantings for his glory. So now let's look at what an oak tree is. Since God was like, brought that verse to my mind. Well, an oak tree is not fast growing. It's very slow growing. In fact, I knew that because I still had just a shrub in my backyard. But it's this is the reason why. The root system of an oak tree is what's called a tap root. So remember in the Bradford pear, it was just a bunch of roots that came out from the bottom and they were all these individual singular roots that just wound around each other. But in an oak tree, it's the tap root. If you can picture like a carrot, it's kind of like that. It dives vertically downward and it will go all the way down. Once that tap root is established, roots will go straight out from the tap root and they go straight out. There is no intertwining. There is no tangling. And only when that is established, when the root system with the taproot and the roots going out is established, will there ever be any external growth seen 
in the oak tree. Oh, right. So foliage and branch growth follow taproot establishment. And it's a slow growing root system to establish a taproot. Now, the interesting and the most amazing thing I thought about an oak tree when I found it was that when you measure a tree's crown, which is the circumference around a tree. So you see these big oak trees. If you could measure like a circle, like the circumference around an oak tree, that would be its crown. The roots occupy four to seven times the diameter of that circumference underground. So let's pretend like you're the diameter of your circumference is, I don't know, massive oak trees are, can be hundreds of, you know, hundred feet more than underground is four to seven times that every root. So what God wants us to understand in this analogy, I believe for ourselves personally And for our children is he is at work establishing a taproot system. And when that taproot system is established, when it's locked in, then, then we're going to begin to see external growth. So when we are wrestling with our little children and our teenagers, mama, and we are looking around at how everybody else's kids seem to be turning out great. And we're still struggling with the same things. I do not want you to be discouraged. And for me that day out there in the yard, that is what God was telling me is Bethany. I am at work in your children's lives, building tap roots because I'm about oaks of righteousness so that I will be glorified. I am not about Bradford pears that show off and split up and die. I'm about establishing a tap root. And it takes time and it takes investment, but it's not your doing, it's mine. Do you trust me to be about the taproot in your child's heart? And I had to bow and say, yes, Lord. And then he said, so pray for your child. That's what I'm calling you to do. And I'm calling you to walk with me as I work on the taproot system of that child's heart. So number one, I want to say this is I can testify that God takes time in taproots. And I'm seeing fruit now of many, 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 many years. Only now. And God told me, he challenged me, he said, Bethany, what if you only see fruit when your child is 65? Would it have been worth it? I was like, yes, Lord. And he says, then keep going and keep praying. And then he asked me again, he said, would it be worth it if your child, if you were dead? And I said, yes, Lord. If my whole life I didn't see it, but... It, you were at work and it came to be, yes, Lord. So we just walk and we pray, right? But what do we do, right? That's always the question. What do we do? And so for you and for me, what do we do with our own lives? Because God is establishing taproots in us too. And the truth is, mom, you need your taproot established so that all of you spills out Jesus. So that your branches are growing, so that your foliage is green, so that your children stand in your shade, right? And the way that happens is not us doing. So Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
So just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, that is to receive through instruction in the mind. That is this salvation moment. You received Christ Jesus. And you're like, oh, but Bethany, look at that. It says, so walk in him. I knew it. I knew there was something I was supposed to do. I'm supposed to walk in him. I'm supposed to walk in him, rooted, built up, established. And I'm going to, we're going to get a little word nerdy today. We're going to do our little work today because I told you last week, we're going to do it both weeks. This is the work this week. We're going to look at these verbs and we're going to understand them in the way that they were written by Paul. So the word rooted is a perfect participle. So that means it's something that happened and was completed in the past, but it has impact in the future, like right now. So you were rooted and to work, to be rooted means to fix firmly. So you were rooted, tethered, anchored into God's family by Jesus Christ, by his blood shed for you, his resurrection power. Boom. You're rooted, right? It has ongoing effect because you're still rooted. Like you're never not fixed firmly. Okay. So your root system is in the one who holds you fast. Built up in him is a present participle. It means something that is happening right now and is ongoing. So in English, these are the ing ending verbs that we say. So when we say like, I'm reading a book. So I'm reading it right now in the present, but it's going to be ongoing. Like I'm reading, I may read for the next 15 minutes. So I'm reading. So, you know, you'll tell your kids, no, 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 I'm reading right now. They understand, oh, you're doing it right now and it's ongoing. So built up in him is an ongoing, but happening right now verb. Jesus, it says he's, it's in essence, he's, it's like building up the foundation and then established in the faith. It's another ongoing, like present participle verb, meaning it's happening now, but it's also ongoing. And it means being guaranteed and secure in your faith. So you're established in your faith, meaning you're guaranteed secure in your faith. And it's also ongoing. Okay. So we just did three verbs. The first one happened in the past. You were rooted, boom, but it's ongoing, meaning like it impacts everything to this day. And then you're building up in him. Let's use it the way English does it. And you're establishing in the faith, right? But all three of these verbs, this is the last of your English lesson. Hang with me. All three of your verbs are passive voice verbs. I don't know if you remember active voice and passive voice from like your junior year in high school and writing papers, but a passive voice verb means the action is being done to the subject. So if you have active voice verbs, the subject is doing the action. But in passive voice verbs, this action is being done to the subject. So who is the subject? Well, when we look at Colossians 2, 6, and 7, the subject is you, right? You and me. So we are being rooted by who? Us? No, we're not doing the action. Jesus is built up in him. Oh, are are we building ourselves up in him? No, Jesus is doing that action through the work of the spirit, establishing in the faith, like this ongoing establishing and securing and guaranteeing our faith. 
Who's doing that? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus. These verbs are passive. The action is being done to you. There's no doing here. This is the work of the Spirit in your life, and therefore, it is the work of the Spirit in your child's life. So when we go back to this picture of the taproot, you and I aren't rooting and establishing and building up our child's faith. Our child is not rooting and establishing and building up their faith. The Holy Spirit is doing that. That is his commitment. It's his whole role. He's like, I am here for this. It's my role. I love this. This is what I do. It's the work of the Spirit in your life and mine. We do not tether ourselves to Jesus. We do not build our foundation. We do not guarantee our faith. They're his actions. So then there's one last verb, isn't there? Abounding in thanksgiving. Well, guess what? This is a present participle, meaning it's an ongoing verb. It's an ING verb. Hey, we're doing it now. We're going to be doing it for a while. But it's the only one that's active voice. It's the only one we do. We abound in thanksgiving. God grows oak trees. We don't grow the oak trees. It's God's work alone. I think it should be freeing to you because you can't even understand your own root system, let alone your child's root system. He's monitoring the growth in both yours and your child's. All we get to see are branches and leaves, right? God is at work in the root system. So all we see is the outgrowth of that. And so our outlook has to be committed to a long-range vision of God. I am committed to this, both for myself. I am going to consistently, consistently present myself to you. And just all I want to do is abound in thanksgiving. I just want to be here worshiping you in front of your throne room, understanding you, knowing you more, seeing you for who you are. This is why we did the snapshots of attributes, because when we continue to have this posture of this is who God is, and we we can maintain abounding in thanksgiving because we're before him. And then he is at work in our root systems, changing us, and in the root systems of our children, growing them. But we have to stop looking at all the other trees all around, all the other people with all their other kids and comparing what my trees look like to theirs, whether it's my own personal tree of, oh, I'm not nearly as good of a Christian as she is, or our children's trees. My children don't nearly compare to their children and what their children are doing. You know, oh, they're, they're raising their kids so much better. Stop. Stop. Number one, you don't know it might be a pear tree. Might be fast growing and ornamental and with a weak, weak system. But it also says in Matthew that Jesus says, build your house on what? Him. Not on shifting sand. Because there's going to be storms that are going to come and everything's going to beat against that house and you need that house to stand, right? Different analogy, same concept. In this one, roots take a long time to grow in oak trees. But once they're established, an oak tree is not easily damaged, not in seasons of drought and not in seasons of heat and not in seasons of storms. And I just want to encourage you, my friend, we, if you're not already walking through those seasons, you will. But growth is abundant and it is consistent in trees that are established. Your intimacy with the Lord will grow the more you allow him to establish your root system. And in a root system establishment is a surrendered posture of God. 
Here are my bags. Here's all my stuff. I just want to abound in thanksgiving in front of you. You see, the beauty of the oak tree is in its age, isn't it? So with our children, we need to be committed for a lifetime. But in our own walks with Jesus, we need to be committed to the lifetime. You and I can walk with him in a way of intimacy where we know him well. We see him at work in our lives. We are constantly, daily, re-surrendering our bags, going, I picked them up again. I just want you to have them, God. You do much better things with them than I do. And we look at his face and we seek him and we trust him. The best is offered by him. And when our eyes are fixed on him, that's this word abiding. We hear it a lot, right? Last week we talked about resting. What is true rest? It's that God will stay you and offer stability and sustenance in the middle of chaos. What is abiding? It is fixing your eyes on Jesus fixing your eyes on him. You know, I have this experience with my son, my youngest son. We were going to the grocery, to Target and um, I put him in the buggy seat and we were talking the whole way in because I had promised him a Superman because his big brothers had Supermans and it was like a big deal. He had done something, probably kept his pants dry. We were probably potty training. He was about two. And at any rate, he was going to get one. And we had, I mean, like we had been running other errands. We had talked in the car about Superman or soup man as he calls him. And we get in the buggy and I'm like, yes, we're going to get soup, man. We're going to get soup, man. He's like, now, now? I'm like, no, first we have to get towels and lotion and a couple other things, buddy. But we're going to get to Superman. You're going to get him. So we go around the whole target and he is locked in my eyes. He's locked on my eyes the whole time. He is not distracted by the towels I'm putting in the buggy. He is not distracted by anything else I'm putting in the buggy. He is all about soup, man. Until I turn onto the toy section and he sees some crazy chicken that when you squeeze its belly, it squawks. I don't know if you've seen that toy. It's hideous, but he sees it and he lunges out of the cart for it. And he's seeing everything that's going on. And he is locked now with this squawking chicken, but he's looking at everything else. He's lunging at this. He's lunging at that. I cannot get him to look at me, look at me. And I'm driving with that buggy and I'm going, look at me, buddy. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And he can't. His focus has shifted and he's lunging for what he thinks would be great. Sometimes we do that. You see, Jesus has invited us into a buggy ride with him. And he says, just look at me, my friend. Just look at me, my sweet daughter. Keep your eyes on me. Look at me. And we're constantly distracted by what everybody else is doing, how everybody else is living, what everybody else is getting. This, that, worries, fears, doubts, concerns, Everything and our focus can shift and we can grab bags like he grabbed that hideous chicken. And Jesus is like, look at me. I'm offering you the best thing and it is me. It's me. I am what you need. And what abiding is, abiding is looking at him. It's keeping your eyes on him. Keeping your eyes on who he is. And letting his spirit do the work in you to grow the root system that needs to be grown, both for you and to offer shade for your children as your children's root trees, root systems are growing. Our root systems change. Our faith gets established and built. And our response is thanksgiving. 
That's what our response is. Your identity is secure so you can rest. And he's building you up a little bit every day, layer by layer, so you can abide. And he's establishing your faith. He's grounding you in his word. He's growing you and securing you more and more in his truth so you can surrender. And then you can let your heart begin to open in thanksgiving and you can worship. That's what you get to do. You experience his rest. You abide by looking at him because your heart is open in thanksgiving and you're worshiping him in surrender. You see, from this position of understanding, your perspective will shift. It will change who you are as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, in your job, in your family, all the different relationships we carry. When we understand the tether, the anchor is Christ Jesus, when we understand the spirit is at work building us up and strengthening us, it will change everything. I want you to know that if you have not taken the time to let Jesus change your life with his saving grace through his death on the cross, you can do that right now. It is as simple as Jesus, please save me. I need you. I'm a sinner. If you have done that, and this still feels very murky, still feels very strange. Can I tell you, number one, I think you need to be in on my newsletter. You need to be inside of the warrior motherhood community. We are building a community of women who are working this out in the everyday life, in the real practical spaces where it's never been talked about before. And I think that it will help you not drop back into performance. It will help you not pick up the bags of I should or the bags of condemnation. Instead, it will help you stand in the glory of what it means to be his daughter. Thank you for joining me on the Warrior Mama podcast. I am praying for you, my friend, as you learn to experience who you are becoming because Jesus came for you. Thanks for listening this week to the Warrior Mama podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support other Warrior Mamas, I'll tell you that one of the best ways that you can do is you can just share this podcast with your friends. You know, sometimes we love to talk about the things we like the most for our face, for our life, for our kids. Can I tell you that it would be a great blessing to begin to share with other moms the things that God is teaching you and the ways that He is growing you in Him. Our prayer over here at the Warrior Mama Podcast is that this podcast is something that does that for you in your life. So feel free to share it with your friends, post about it on social media, and of course, leave a rating and a review. I love seeing what God is doing in your lives. And I look forward to sitting with you at the kitchen table again next week.